This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. We have full agency and control on the joy of missing out, right? Versus the fear of missing out. And so when we think about what can you do for your own mental health, it comes down to what can you control? What can't you control? And when you choose to not go to something or you make a decision to be in the present moment with yourself, you can make an active decision on what type of emotion or feeling you want associated with that. Welcome to The Mind Shift. I'm Shira Lazar. And I'm Jordana Reen. Together, we're the co-founders of Peace Inside Live. Every episode, we're exploring ancient modern-day teachings and stories to shift our daily challenges into growth. And we're diving in with mentors who share mind-shifting perspectives for a happy and inspired life. Welcome to the conversation. In this episode, we're diving into the joy of missing out as an antidote to FOMO. Fear of missing out. I know a lot of you have that. I do. So how do we get there? Why our minds default to negative thoughts? And we'll be covering actionable steps to cultivating joy daily. But first, what brings us to this topic today is that we are super excited to share that our new book, The Jomo Journal, A Daily Practice for the Joy of Missing Out, is officially available. And we wanted to share with you a little bit more about why we created this. Yeah. So Shira, tell me about your FOMO. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, it comes up here and there. I feel like, have have I been getting better even with creating a journal like this, I don't know if it ever goes away, but I think the work is to continue to reflect on what your values are. And I continue to do that. What are my values? What brings me joy? Where do I feel peace? And continue to work to find that. And then if I'm putting myself in situations where that's not happening, asking myself, why? Why do I do this to myself? Why do I torture myself? I think we can all kind of, uh, align with that. We've all been there, right? Yeah. You know, I think in creating this Jomo journal with you, it's supported me in becoming even more mindful Mm. in my own practice. So, you know, we, we wrote this journal together because one, we both experienced FOMO and two, we're seeing FOMO a lot with our friends, our clients, the companies we work with, and we wanted to provide an antidote. Yeah. But so now in, in being in this FOMO Jomo world, I'm starting to see FOMO come up. I'm seeing the FOMO thoughts 
and I'm more easily able to interject them. Yeah, I think it's the slow down the awareness instead of it just happening and then wondering like, where did I go? What happened? The more you can pinpoint when that happens in real time, the more you can choose something different. And that is completely why we did it. I think everything we each do, and that's why we work together and bring to the world, are just things that we are learning. (laughs) And then we kind of are putting it out there and saying to others, hey, this is helping us. Maybe it will help you. Yeah. So I want to ask you one vulnerable question before we get into our conversation. And and I'll answer it too, if if I must. But the, the question is about a time when you felt severe FOMO. Tell me about that time. All right. I mean, I think that for me, I don't know if there's one time. I think when I'm at events, sometimes like conferences where it feels like there's always that VIP events, the hot ticket, the dinner that everyone's at. If I don't get invited, I take it on like something's wrong with me. And then it becomes a downward spiral of my own self-worth and that I'm going to be a failure this stuff, like yeah. the stories continue and get deeper. That's real. Yeah. And so I think that that's where I see it the most when I'm at these like big industry events where I feel like it's high school again, I need to keep up. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think if there was a time that I felt the most FOMO, it was a time when I felt misaligned in my career and my mm. work. And as you know, I used to be an executive producer which is a really fancy job title. However, there came a point when I no longer felt aligned with that. And I would see my friends out in the world as entrepreneurs doing what looked like grass is greener. Um, and of, of course it is, <laughs> but you know, I just, I was misaligned. And so I was having FOMO on what I could be doing that I wasn't able to do because I was in a role that, yeah. um, no longer was really correct for me, but, you know, on the day to day in the same way that you feel FOMO, you know, it's a questioning of myself. Am I doing what I need to be doing right now and seeing what other people are doing? Maybe it's people that I went to school with or people I used to work with advancing in their careers, or maybe at a certain place in their relationship, the way things look on social media, for example. And I ask myself, Why don't I have that? Or why am I not there? Which are not, you know, ultimately useful questions when it turns into this, I should be somewhere that I'm not. I think it's useful to look at something that um, we may have some longing for and ask what's in the gap. But I think that the comparison really just leads to uh, a bad place. Yeah. I think it's somewhat emotionally abusive to ourselves, right? It's like, that is very unloving when you're basically telling yourself where I am now is not enough. Mm. So in many ways, yeah, both of our experience with this coming together and sharing and getting vulnerable with each other all the time led us to this and seeing it with our friends, the people we work with, the industries that we're in, because we work with a lot of companies and teams and in, in the tech world. And then... Also, the idea that we we love journaling, right? Like, I we've always had a bucket list of journaling. Our FOMO was the fact that we didn't create a journal. 
<laughs> and so we wanted to do this in journal form. Also, because we're at events all the time, we tell people to journal and we love it. And so what better way to do that than to create your own and uh, I, just, just yeah. do it? I think that journaling is, I want to say it's the single most effective way that I have found to grow personally and spiritually. Um, It's just like, it's right up there with meditation. Meditation and journaling, this reflection practice has so supported my journey and my growth. And I just can't love it enough. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of free flow journaling. A lot of people love morning pages. That's become a very uh, famous book, The Artist's Way. And for this, we were very intentional in guiding you through morning and evening prompts that support you in cultivating that inner joy. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think something we were seeing is, is that people don't necessarily know what to write and it can be intimidating to free flow, write. So Mm -hmm. we really picked the questions that have supported us the most in our conversations with one another, like this one, and, you know, in our own journaling practice that can support joy, more joy each day, less fear. Yeah. And we're not going to get into all about every detail of the journal, but yet you could find great arts. You could express yourself in the journal through arts. We have quotes. It's just a yummy, exciting gift that you can give yourself or someone else. But also in it are science-backed tools, which we mentioned, you know, uh, mindfulness, gratitude through these reflection exercises. Well, with all of that, let's get into it. Joining us as a special guest is Dr. Regu Apasani, who is an advisor to Peace Inside Live, is the founder of the Minds Foundation, an integrative psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and social entrepreneur. This guy does it all, let me tell you, focused on bridging the gap between Western and Eastern practices to create a wholesome society by taking a proactive approach to health, He's also the CMO of PIM and an advisor to Mudwater and Half Story. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Shira and Jordana. It's a pleasure to be here. And I look up to you guys too. You're doing something so important for the community. Well, we appreciate that. And you actually provided the foreword for our Jomo journal. So thank you for that again. Um, Why... Did that resonate for you? Why did you decide to jump on in the Jomo train? Yeah, well, other than um, being big fans of both of you and the work you're doing, I have noticed that over the past couple of years, there's just been a lot of loneliness happening, especially, you know, even for people who are surrounded by other humans and community, or you might be in a place like, you know, Los Angeles or New York or San Francisco, and there's a lot going on around you but you can still feel really alone. And with that in parallel with the rise in social media, where you only see kind of half the story of what's really going on with people, it can feel like you're really missing out and you're behind, whether it's you're behind socially and that you should be at events or you're behind in your career and you start to compare and you have a natural reaction to try to compare yourself. It can really lead to a lot of uh, increase in things like depression and anxiety and overall, more of this existential crisis and leading to loneliness, which has detrimental, not only mental, but also physical health effects. And so um, when both of you asked me to write the foreword, I was excited because I thought I could 
bring a little bit of my own story into it, but also highlight this from uh, the medical and, you know, for a physician stand- standpoint of why it's important to actually start thinking about missing out on events as being something that can be joyful and help people to prioritize their own needs. Nice. Yeah, I, I want to dive into a little bit more of your own story, Dr. Ragu, and, and Jomo, or the joy of missing out. Um, how you personally define that, like how it comes up for you in your own story. And then also, like, you know, we talk about loneliness um, and, and that epidemic. Like, why is this practice essential for mental well-being? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we think about things like anxiety, feeling alone, depression, any type of poor mental ill health, we think a lot about how do you treat that, right? And and the first step to that is thinking about things that you control and the things that you can't control. And I I do believe that one of the things we can control is where we put ourselves and how we treat ourselves. And we can either be in the boat of you know, looking at the external world and saying, hey, like, why am I not a part of this? Why am I not going to this? And really starting to compare yourself to that and, and feeling a little bit more depressed or anxious about it and leading to a lot more, you know, detrimental mental health consequences. So I think it really comes back down to what you're saying a little bit earlier, right, about the story. So it's really starting to focus on your story and what you want out of that and how you st- show up for yourself authentically. And part of that is the joy of missing out. And we have full agency and control on the joy of missing out, right? Versus the fear of missing out. And so when we think about what can you do for your own mental health, it comes down to what can you control? What can't you control? And when you choose to not go to something or you make a decision to be in the present moment with yourself, you can make an active decision on what type of emotion or feeling you want associated with that. And I think that's where this really starts to come in. And this term, you know, Jomo comes in, um, in particular. It's very much a practice of, yeah, mindfulness, right? And we, I feel like we chose the term Jomo because it is a bit of like a buzzword FOMO. We thought, okay, this is a bit of a mainstream way to get people thinking about why, they're like this. Why do you have this anxiety? Why can you not let go of what you can't control? How to practice these things, which is easier said than done. So I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, how, how do we get folks really integrating this into their lives? And then I do want to know from your perspective how you do it within your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, you know, I think the integration of Jomo into your life comes down to that word that you said you just said, Shira, which is the practice, right? It's the ritual. And it's about starting to incorporate that into your daily life, right? It's not about, you know, when you start to feel the instant anxiety that comes up, right? It's like, you know, it's Friday night and you have a sense that you want to stay home. And that's what your body's telling you is that I'm tired. I just want a little bit of comfort. I want to feel secure. I want to just be at home. I want to be grounded, But then you open Instagram or you open your email or a friend calls you or texts you and there's something going on and you feel this obligation to have to go there. You know, that's actually ignoring ourselves, right? 
And that's actually ignoring our body telling us and signaling us, signaling to us what we really need. And so I think that's where that practice of mindfulness comes in. But it's difficult to pull that practice of mindfulness in that moment sometimes. And so that's why it's called a practice. And I truly believe that the same way that we brush our teeth every day, hopefully, right, to prevent cavities and, and you know, plaque buildup, we do a practice and a ritual for our minds and our souls and our own feelings and emotions and acknowledging them on a regular basis and not just when they have to come up in such an extreme way because we haven't paid attention to them regularly, right? And so I think for me, I've had my own journey of, you know, significant FOMO and ignoring like the signals from my body, the emotions, the feelings, the somatic sensations, and just kind of going and going and going and comparing my career and trying to build that up or comparing my social life and trying to build that up or my relationships and trying to build that up. And um, unfortunately, the detriment of that is moving away from being with your authentic self. And if you do that, you know, there's really no point because we're all here. We should be authentic. We should be able to live in that. And then we can express the level of love for other people. And actually the events we go to, or, you know, the activities we do, we can actually get joy out of it um, versus just going to something and presenting, but not really wanting to be there. Um, and so for me, the practice comes down to that daily meditation. It comes down to taking a walk every day, at least, whether it's in the morning or in the evening and really committing to that. And there are simple things like that that I have to commit to. And, um, you know, I think for me in particular, too, it's also reaching out to at least like one good friend a day and having a conversation and checking in with each other um, because I do need that. I recognize I do need that human connection, not just with myself, but with someone else. Um, but over the years, I've become more comfortable sitting with myself, sitting with myself in, in peace and finding kind of that flow and uh, that's actually allowed me to kind of distance from this need to have to go to every single event, right? And uh, what I've recognized over time is the things that I actively choose to go to now, I get so much more out of it. And I'm so much more present in those moments. I love that. I, I have a similar practice, Dr. Ragu, um, where I, I really enjoy my alone time so much more um, than ever. Um, but it's a challenge, right? And and it's something that we have to practice every day so that we can just find more and more joy in being true to ourselves. Um, that said, like this time, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. Where there's a war going on, you know, in Israel, and this is a war that's really affecting us hugely in the U.S. There are people taking sides. There are people not taking sides. It's all over social media and it's having a profound effect on our mental health. And so I want to ask you, you know, as the doctor here, what can we do to safeguard our mental health during this time? You know, what's your RX for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really challenging. I think, um, whether it's, you know, the war and the conflict going on in the Middle East or it's COVID and the uncertainties we had with that, we do have to, we do have to protect our own mental health, right? Because otherwise we're not going to be able to actually be fully present 
and there for those that really need us right now. So um, for me and for a lot of the folks I work with, what that comes down to is actually setting a specific time um, of the day that you're going to check in on the news, you're going to check in on your social media, you're going to check in with certain people and making sure you stick to that and really timing it and so that you don't get lost and overconsumed with it because it can trigger a lot of emotions and feelings and you know for some people prior traumas as well and so it's really important to try to be very mindful of the consumption um, it's also important to ch kind of choose where you're getting your sources of information right um, and being really mindful of that and sort of restricting you know how much time and where you're getting your information from and i would say you know one other piece to that is really start to build your community and to put the weight on with your community and come together because we really need to support each other. We really need the support of each other as well. And so really, you know, honing in on a couple of those friends or the, that community that you need um, and really having them to go to and to talk to and to just be in the moment with. And the last piece I would say too is it's very difficult and a lot of emotions come up, whether it's grief or anger, um, you know, or conflict or, you know, tensions within relationships and friendships. So I would say that it's also important to set time aside um, for that, like to process those emotions and to say, like, I'm going to grieve and we're going to have this dinner and we're going to invite some friends over and we're just going to sit and to, and to grieve and to reflect. Um, it doesn't have to be a debate, you know, no matter you know, where people stand or where they sit. It's just about let's just be in this moment and, and understand that this is happening and that these conflicts are happening. And um, it's unfortunate that the past couple of years, it's almost seems like it's been nonstop conflicts, right? Whether it's, you know, what's happening in the Middle East or what happens in Armenia or Ukraine and whatever it is, like, it almost seems like the world is completely collapsing. Um, so the best that we can do is to come together with our community and those that we love and to support each other because we can't necessarily control, you know, what's happening, but we can try to help the ones around us. And for me, that's reaching out to people who are close to me and in my life and, just trying to be there for them. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I really um, can relate to what you're sharing as, as being important medicines for us to be in community with loved ones, um, really to support regulating our nervous system. Because I think that this, all these events and the information we're getting, whether valid, invalid, positive, negative, all of these inputs are, um, you know, putting us into this state of, of almost panic, right. And, and constant anxiety. Um, and I love what you said as well about, uh, creating stronger boundaries around how much time we spend and a lot to the activities that we can be mindful of that are creating more conflict within our hearts and our minds. I think that's mm -hmm. really important to, to double click on. Yeah. And it's almost like it's even more important now to come back to your mental hygiene and to your rituals and things that you do and to ground yourself in, in those. 
Yeah. And these are the times yeah. that we let it go. Like I find myself yeah. letting go of all of that. Right. And then you're wondering why, obviously already with everything happening, you're not feeling good. Then you're not even helping yourself feel better. And then it becomes a downward spiral. So all of that is so important. And also considering, you know, even before this happened, and as you mentioned, it feels like we've been in this place of conflict and crisis for way too long in, in recent times. But naturally as humans, and, and we've talked about this, Jordana, like our thoughts default to negative. What, 80% or so of our thoughts are negative, 90% are repeat thoughts that are negative 95 apparently yeah what do we do with all of this knowing that as humans and and with all this you could say negative stuff going on but already even if joyful stuff was happening probably we might default to negative perspective sometimes how do we deal with all of that Mm -hmm. yeah we have a cognitive bias right towards towards negative unfortunately um and i think that as as Silly as it sounds, you know, gratitude journaling is really important. And we know from so much research that it helps enhance the positive thoughts, the positive emotions, and just overall improves well-being and resilience so that we can handle difficult situations that come up, right? We know that it increases things like pro-social behavior as well so that you can be more present for those around you. And just overall, like helping, you know, with physical health too, like better sleep, better mood, um, the ability to try to cope a little bit more. And so these are, that's a practice I find to be really important, especially in this time when we can be consumed by a lot of negative thoughts or images or conversations. And just to come back to yourself and to say, you know, these are the three things that I'm really grateful for right now, despite everything else going on. And if you can allow yourself to really feel that and embody that, then you can show up much more present for those around you that are also struggling, right? And so I think that's the practice to really try to combat some of that negative loop that can happen. Yeah. I, I want to understand that negative loop, you know, the cognitive bias, and I think it's a negativity bias that we have. Um is that learned or like were, were we born as babies full of joy and then we forgot about it? What happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good question. And um, I think that uh, <sighs> it's a good question, Jordana. I think, you know, we are born almost like Play-Doh and we're moldable and we're sponges that can absorb everything, right? You know, evolutionarily, there's probably a reason why we have sort of this bias towards negative, right? We are trying to stay away from things that can be dangerous to us, right? Because it's a survival thing. So maybe instead of a negative bias, it's more of a pro-survival technique that we have embodied into us. Um, Are we born as happier beings and creatures with joy? Maybe. I mean, a lot of us are, right? Babies are pretty much like generally pretty happy, right? Um, And then the world happens to them and they have to start to navigate it. And there can be a lot of fear and stressors happening in the world. And it, it is an evolutionary thing, evolutionarily. Wow. (laughs) Why can't I say that? Anyway, 
Um, you get the point. You know, yeah, we get it. Yeah, you get the point. So <laughs> babies are super moldable. And so I do think it's important from then on to try to protect some of that, to try to protect these emotions. And the beauty that we have as being human is we can actually feel and express the full range of emotions, right, for the majority of us. And that's really what's important. When we start to become numb or one consume, one emotion consumes or all the other ones, that's when we start to have sort of poor mental health on that spectrum, right? And so when it comes down to children and babies, what we really need to try to do is to teach them emotional granularity, which is teaching them how to put words to the emotions and feelings they're having, right? So they can start to fully express them. And then we have a larger spectrum of emotions that can be described by people, which means they have access to them and they can start to be more intuitive with it. The problem we have now is that we haven't really taught that for so many generations. And so we have the basic things like fear and anger and happiness and sadness, but we don't have the more um, detailed emotions, right? Within that, right? We don't have the, the sort of like, you know, what is between fear and anger, right? Or the, the point that people can understand that there's actually grief underlying the anger, right? And so there's a lot of education that needs to be done um, around just the idea of understanding emotions and feelings. So, you know, are we born with joy? Yeah. Are we also born with fear? Yes. And anger and all of it. But which ones start to overpower the other is the real question. And which ones as a society do we start to foster more, right? And if you think about a kid or when we were kids, there was what we always told that we remember is like, don't talk to strangers or like, don't take candy from a stranger. And like these things stick to you because it's pro survival. But in the same way, we also have to educate and expose kids to things that actually bring joy and happiness and teach them like that's also important to go towards. Yeah. And what is your joy and individually joy and happiness, right? Because what, even though there are overarching things that we all typically love, a good sunset, maybe, you know, water, the mountains, a vacation. I don't know. But individually, we each have our own thing. And then I, I love what you said about understanding your emotions and the spectrum. Then also, I think a lot of our generation and even previous ones didn't learn how to deal with it. Once you even figure out which emotion you have, how do you deal with the emotion? including if it's not yeah. a positive one. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where it comes down to. And that's part of teaching these emotions, right? It's like, instead of saying you're, you're happy, can you use other things like proud, joyful, respected, confident, right? Instead of saying you're angry, you can say if you're feeling jealous or resentful or insecure or hostile, you know, getting a little bit more detailed with it. That's the key. And if you understand that, then you'll have a better understanding of how to deal with that, mm. right? Because yeah. you can say, when I'm feeling this way, I can do this to feel better or to process it appropriately, right? When someone gets angry now, that's a full range of things that are happening, right? It can be anything from being like critical to being frustrated to being hurt. And imagine if a kid actually knew which one of those they were feeling, then they can actually process it appropriately versus just like, becoming dysregulated and hitting something or yelling at someone. So we, a kid, I, I want to know this is happening uh, to adults too. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, we talked <laughs> yeah. to you about, which we, t we mentioned in the journal, of course, mindfulness practices, the gratitude practice. 
And a lot of what we mentioned also are around boundaries, which I feel like are an overused term these days. Mm -hmm. So how can we understand what boundaries really are and how to set them for ourselves? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. When you hear the word boundary, what do you think of? I think of joy. I'm, I'm like, yes, for me, but also, you know, I wrote the book and I, and I wrote the, the part on boundaries, particularly like when I was like, if I talk about boundaries and I have boundaries, then I have more for myself. You know, it was like mm-hmm. this, it was a moment where it was like, actually I was creating a work boundary. Um, and I was so excited about it because I thought if I just can communicate this boundary that I have, then I'm going to work better. Um, because I've got, I, I'm not being stepped on in this area where I don't want to be stepped on. And mm-hmm. if that's respected, then I've got that space for myself and then I'm, I'm happier doing my work. So for me, it was, it's joy. I'm, I'm stoked about it. Yeah. For me, sure. it brings up a bit of anxiety because I think I've been a people pleaser and confrontation or discomfort or uncomfortable conversations or relationships have Uh, been something I've avoided, which I've been learning to deal with as I got older. So right now, boundaries mean something that's coming up for me and I'm inviting you into meeting me where I'm at. And it's a way to, to either get closer in a relationship or if the person doesn't like it, it's information for me to recognize maybe this isn't the right thing and I don't need Mm. to force it. It's good. Yeah, great answer. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really like, that's that. what I'm kind of learning. So, uh, yes, in the book, we talk about boundaries, but I do think right now boundaries gets thrown around and almost sometimes weaponized in a way like, this is my boundary. <laughs> and, and it, it, at what point can be, it could be useful, maybe not used in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that, um, well, it's not only boundary, it's a lot of other sort of terminology from the mental health space that's a bit overused and used out of context oftentimes. But thinking specifically about the word boundary that you brought up, you know, it's not about saying like, I feel uncomfortable around this person, so I'm just going to cut them off now. And that's a boundary. And I feel great about that, right? It's not. It's, it's, it's when you feel discomfort, lean into it and recognize like, what is this relationship and does it need to be changed and molded in some way? And, you know, the discomfort is an invitation to address that and to see what isn't working. And, you know, creating a boundary doesn't mean, doesn't mean necessarily removing someone or something from your life. In some, ca- in some rare cases, yes, you do need to do that, right? If it's not safe, if it's not if it's just all negative towards you with no positive benefit at all, maybe that's what you need to do. But oftentimes it's about actually having a conversation and inviting each other to that and discussing like what's not happening appropriately. And can you do something to improve that relationship and to reframe it and to think about it? And that is boundary setting, right? It's it's actually having open dialogue and communication. That is what I believe is being lost when, we're often inundated with shorter reels or, you know, TikTok or Instagram videos that say like setting healthy boundaries is cutting these people off and just prioritizing you. Like it's not, it's, it's about like, we are supposed to lean into discomfort 
And when we don't lean into discomfort, when something bad happens, we're not going to know how to handle it because we won't build right. any sort of level of resilience. Right. Yeah. So it would be like um, a boundary could be I'm not working on the weekend. I'm working, but I'm not working on the weekends or um you know, if I do decide to work on the weekends, then like, this is what I do, by the way, if I do decide to work on the weekends, I shouldn't even tell Shira this. Um, I then set up whatever it was that I was going to do to automatically send on Monday at some no, point. A lot of people do that. I, you, and I'm, I, I mean, I, I do that for some, for my team at what's trending for you. I don't as much because I don't, but yes, if it was like a, a colleague I was sending it to or a client, I probably would set up for yeah. Monday. So we are on the same yeah. page with, that all right, great. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. That's why well, we work yeah, together. Just, <laughs> what you guys are doing right. You're actually you're communicating, right? Like this is what needs to be. Is done. This is a therapy session with me. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and now you have an understanding, though, which is really great. And I think that that's really what's been lost. And you know, it's even like loosely people loosely using the terms like narcissism or borderline, and you know, even the word trauma is used quite a bit. And um, you know, it, it, I, I am really happy that there's more conversation around mental health, but we also need to be really mindful of source of information and how these things are used and the context they're used in. And that's a much longer conversation, I'm sure. But, you know, with boundaries, I would say for people, if they're feeling the discomfort in the relationship with someone, you know, in in the relationship with work or whatever it is to take a moment to pause and to go a little bit inwards to recognize like, why am I feeling that way? And are there things that can be improved? Love that. So I think we want to, we want to talk about the minds foundation, but before we do, I just want to ask you about, I want to turn our heads towards joy perhaps one last time in this conversation and ask you about three actionable insights for how individuals can cultivate more joy each day? What can you give us? Oh, I mean, um, just call Shira. And <laughs> Pretty her. sure there are times that I do not bring Jordana joy. <laughs> That's true. No. Other people can call Shira. <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you cultivate joy, right, in your daily life? And it's such a good one because... I don't think joy necessarily means happiness either, right? It's something very different. Um, and so for me to, to cultivate joy is to, what really works for me is honestly, it's getting outside. Um, I have to get outside. I have to get some fresh air and do that walk at some point. Um, even if it's for a couple minutes, like it just needs to happen. Um, and there's a lot of science behind that, right? The concept of Shinrin Yoku or forest bathing, there's a lot of, science behind the benefits of actually immersing yourself in nature and you know you're surrounded by so many organisms in nature and so i would encourage people to spend a few minutes outside if you can every single day and bring that calmness to your nervous system and to your soul and your mind and it can really ground you in where you are um, the second piece is really thinking about a meditation practice you know, I think that there's endless science and we understand the neuroscience of that as well and the circuitry and what it does to your body mentally and physiologically. And so when I say meditation, I, I encourage people to not think about it as just sitting in silence or sitting with a guided meditation, but finding something that gets you into that state, right? And, and for me, it's, 
it is sometimes just a quiet meditation sitting on my cushion, but oftentimes it's also finding myself cooking something, right? And getting into that flow mindset of being fully present with something that brings me joy. Um, so I would say that. And the third piece, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, at least for me, what brings me joy is checking in with at least one person that's really close to me a day and having that conversation. Um, and for me, that's really important. So those three things are super important for me, right? Immersing in nature, doing something that is meditative for my body and mind and soul, and then connecting with one other person that, you know, that I love and is close to me. We love that. We're big fans of all of that. And I always like to say, like, that's why I've always tried everything at least once to an extent, mm. everyone, <laughs> but because then you figure out what works for you and you say, meh, not for me. Doesn't align. Doesn't make me feel good. Ooh, I like this. I'll put that in my tool belt. Right. Or else, how are you supposed to know? Right. So I think that is really important because we all say these things because it, it is in, in science backed, but you don't actually truly know what lights you up until you play. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, it's yeah. practice. It's practice and it ritual is. that has the benefit. So Dr. Ragu, you do amazing work. We, or I originally met you because of the work you're doing with your foundation, the Minds Foundation. And also Dr. Ragu is basically like was a, a psychology psychiatry genius. I'm going to say like, you're like a wonderkind. <laughs> you were working in this space, like building when you were at what in college and even in probably in high school, you were doing this work. Yes. Which is amazing. Yeah. So tell us more about the mission of the minds foundation and what you're currently working on. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I started in neuroscience research. Yeah. In high school. And then, I, I shifted to wanting to do more grassroots um, on the groundwork in, in 2010. And that's when Minds Foundation was created. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been most, it's been basically my adult life, actually. Um, and the goal was just, you know, how do we increase mental health literacy so that people feel empowered to then actually use resources and seek resources versus just throwing resources at them? Like it's about having people feel empowered in themselves and embodying themselves to then go and get the assistant. Cause we know that that is such a huge part of healing is not being forced into something, but, but you willingly wanting to get better and to, to receive treatment and healing. Right. So um, we started in 30 villages in Gujarat, India and in a Western state in India. And um, we've grown now to service across the country and we've, you know, we've hit over six and a half to seven million people at this point since we started. Um, so we provide mental health education in communities across India, you know, in schools as well. We train teachers in children's mental health. We train children in mental health and we work with, you know, school leaders on how do you create classrooms that actually foster positive well-being we work with corporations throughout India as well to do larger scale campaigns. Um, and we started the first and only 24 hour uh, helpline in India that's fully staffed by clinical psychologists. And we also offer a virtual therapy center that um, we decided to launch during COVID 
because of the demand and the need for what was going on and the psychological turmoil from what was going on. Um, so, you know, really proud of those programs. Um, but also, you know, we're the first organization to really start targeting um, providing mental health services for populations like female sex workers in parallel with the work they're doing. How do you support them? Uh, we did the first study looking at ADHD in children, and we work closely with an LGBTQ um, organization in India, training their staff as well and working within that community. And so, you know, I'm really proud of the team for spearheading all of those things because, you know, culturally and the stigma around those topics is very high. And so, even just making these partnerships and doing that kind of work, our staff kind of put themselves in a position that can be somewhat um, risky, right? Or, or political in a lot of ways. And so we're really trying to offer services to, to everybody, regardless of their religion or their caste or race or whatever it is. And so I'm really proud of them for doing that. One program in particular, I am you know, proud of that's expanding in the coming year is Project Anandi, which is focused on women's and female adolescent girls' mental health. So we work side by side with community health workers for women who are pregnant um, or postpartum, as well as their, their daughters. And we try to provide them with mental health resources, as well as training in things like mental health hygiene and resilience, and just giving them the toolkit. And what we recognize happening is that the younger girls end up staying in school longer, which is really great, right? And they become kind of leaders within the community. Um, and we see lower rates of things like postpartum depression happening and postpartum psychosis happening. And so um, that's a program that I'm really proud of um, that's been going on and we're going to be growing in the coming year. Amazing stuff. You know, this isn't in the journal, but when we do the presentation, the FOMO to JOMO workshop, one of the actions for JOMO is service. And so while listening to what can support each of us today, we're also hearing about the amazing work you're doing and the service. And so if you all want to support what Dr. Regu is doing, you can go to mindsfoundation.org to find out more. And we've even raised some money through the digital art that we have in the journal for the nonprofit. So all full circle. And uh, yeah, and I yeah, thank you guys for that support. And we talk about the word seva, right? Which is service. And that's, that's really what drives all of us. Like we, I, I personally get so much joy out of saying, you know, here are the few skills that I kind of have that I can contribute to the world and see where that can take us. Right. And we all come together to do that. I love that. It's, it's really exciting at, you know, a time that feels very uh, tumultuous and, and chaotic. And really, I, I think it's felt that way, as you said, Dr. Agu, for many, many years. Um, what we can do is we can take care of ourselves and we can take care of one another. And uh, just so appreciate working with you and your support for our work as well and getting to talk to you today and share you with the Be Here Now community. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And you know, honestly creating such a movement around JOMO as the invitation for people to start tuning in with themselves, right? And, and learning how to support one another. Because that's really what it is, right? It's not just JOMO. It's about actually getting people in the door and starting to recognize these things. Ah, yeah. well, you get it. I got chills. Thank you so much. <laughs>
We love you. Well, I love both of you and I love the work that you're doing with the journal and with Peace Inside Live. And um, for anyone listening, keep following because there's going to be some pretty awesome stuff happening with Peace Inside Live in the coming months. Definitely. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) So appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Mind Shift. Remember, you can get your very own Jomo journal or buy it as a gift at peaceinside.live slash Jomo. Use the code BEHERENOW, lowercase, at checkout for 15% off. Plus, follow us on social media at Peace Inside Live. Thanks for showing up today. We'll see you again soon. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.